You're listening to The After Session with Philip Lewis. I'm a therapist based in Washington, D.C., and I hope to provide my perspective on work done throughout the therapeutic process. Some of what you'll hear will be interviews with other mental health professionals or former and current clients. In this case, these interviews are voluntary, not conditional to the status of a person presently in therapy, and those interviews are not considered a therapeutic session or a recommendation for forms of treatment. If you are interested in starting your therapeutic process or engaging in a protocol or technique referenced, please make sure you contact your mental health or medical provider. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the after session. Today is particularly special because my big sister is here, my big little sister. <laughs> um, and uh, for those of you who uh, don't know, I hate the sound of my voice. So <laughs> for me, um, I very rarely, actually not rarely, I don't listen to these after they're recorded. So there are very few people that I trust to like give me the green light after reviewing the content and posted it on air one because, um, I, you know, me liking my voice is kind of a joke. But um, outside of that, some of these the conversations get pretty vulnerable. And um, my family and friends obviously know the things that um, trigger or or address those. So it's important for me to make sure I, I loop them in when I'm exploring these concepts in addition with either the clinicians or, or the um, past or current clients that, that I'm working with just because I, I need to be fed from those I love. And uh, my sister is one of the people who, who feeds me quite often. So traditionally, how, how we got to this, this setting today um, is she calls me after each one she gives me her notes, she gives me her thoughts and challenges my ideas and, and I give response and things like that. And uh, for the first ever um, one that was published called Just Being, we maybe had a two and a half to three hour conversation about um, the experience that we both shared because this is the sister that was there with me on that day. And... Um, all the ripple effects that it has had in my life and my way of being and even up until the point to inviting the gentlemen who were who were there participating on the podcast with me to come and share their experiences. And I always say in session and in life that I am human and some of the things and concepts that I bring up, I have the right to change my mind about or view differently depending on future experiences that, that I come across or other conversations that I might have with those around me and particularly my sister who I love. And we decided to have her come in today, spend also my birthday weekend with me and I record this podcast. So today I am a bit nervous because I have no clue what questions she's going to ask. All I know is that this kind of um, was sparked by our conversation about our, the initial or episode one um, called Just Being, where I told my story about growing up up until um, my idea and thought process for starting Just Being Incorporated. Check it out at justbeinginc.org. And uh, thanks for listening. Hey, Big Sis. Hey, Brian. <laughs> thanks for being here. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. Um, it's always a pleasure coming to visit you. And I feel like every time I visit you, I get to experience a new version of you and it's just exciting like who am i who what philip am i gonna get when i see you so um 
I, I definitely feel like I need to come see you often, more often than I have. Oh, yeah. let's get to it. Okay. Let's not waste time. All right, um, because a sister needs answers. That's me, man. I try my best. I'm gonna try my best. Um, I recall you speaking about the moments. One of the moments that you remember as far as the first time not being, not feeling safe, you realized that you were coerced into feeling something about yourself or you were um, indoctrinated. I think you were indoctrinated by how to feel about you mm -hmm. um, by, other, <clears throat> by other people. Um, life experience early on in childhood and you were trying to get other uh, the people, the males, the gentlemen that were there, I think you wanted to get their reaction on maybe if they felt the same way or what was their experience. Here's my experience. How do you feel? And I was hoping that you got the support that you were looking for, or I, I hope I was hoping that you got validated. Maybe you don't need to be validated, but I was hoping that with the people you brought in to bring another perspective in that you all you guys came to an a singular understanding that we're in this together type and I did not get that <clears throat> from one particular person um the first um gentleman that you spoke with now um I love you you're my brother and I remember many a times defending you, <laughs> trying to protect you, fighting for you, literally. Anybody that has an issue with my brother has an issue with me. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get down to the nitty gritty. Yes, I'm five two. My brother's bigger than me, but I'm ready to go to war about mine. I'm ready. And I felt like I had to protect you. I was so far away. I'm listening to the podcast in my car on the way to school because that seems to be the only time I have to actually listen, listen or do things outside of my daily, my day-to-day -day <clears throat> experiences. So I'm listening and I'm just, I'm feeling very uneasy. I'm feeling very upset because I didn't feel like um, the first gentleman was um, taking you seriously or he was trying to dismiss your actual experience and I say this for those of you of you who are listening um, my brother was talking about having to do extra additional things to make sure that he is safe while jogging he has to wear bright colors he has to put headphones on um, to make sure that whoever if anybody's trying to get his attention they can see the huge headphones say okay he's not hearing me he's he's not ignoring me he's not being disrespectful he's not being rude i see the headphones <clears throat> you want people to see you so you um and you're in running clothes so that brings purpose to running since you can't you're not able to speak because you're running you wanted to do these things and you wanted to add these things so you feel safe doing what you need to do. 
So you looked at, oh, I don't know if you looked, you probably looked, because you said, brother to my left. Can you relate? Can you, and I think you were asking him, do you understand, support me, support this, um, give me, give me your experiences as to why you feel safe or when, when did you not feel safe? That's when I didn't feel safe. So when did you feel safe? And does that make sense? I feel like you were asking me, in other words, does that make sense to you? And he had a super long pause to me. I felt like he, it didn't have to be that long. Maybe he was gathering his thoughts. I don't know. But as a listener, I'm like, say something. <laughs> Support my brother. <laughs> Hurry up. Say what you got to say and give him what he needs right now. And he was like, yeah, I I, I think he's, I, I believe he said, yes, I do. I do relate. I mean, I totally under. I totally understand. Um, I I understand where you're coming from because with I, I too I too am a runner. So I'm like, okay, now we get into togetherness. <laughs> now we're now we're getting to it. We're getting to support. I too feel I, I'm a runner too, and I I do have to wear bright colors to make sure that I don't get hit by cars while I'm running. And then immediately I was like, that's not what he talking about. Like, uh, you know that's not what he talking about. You like, you know that's not what he's talking about. Say, like, rewind, stop, stop and go back. You're not, you're missing it. And um, I want to say that I felt at, the, at that moment, I did not feel like he was intentional with it until um, further on. I'm like, oh, he might be intentional with this. He he might be trying to dismiss dismiss my brother's reality, and I don't like it. I don't. I'm not feeling good about this, and I'm talking to myself out loud in the car. I'm screaming at the phone. I'm like. June, I'm literally how I'm talking to you now. I don't want to yell too much in the mic, but did did you feel as he was saying those things, as he was giving his recollection of why um why he has to do extra things? And the answer that he gave you, I know I have my reasons for why I didn't like that answer, but did was that the answer you were expecting? Did that do what it did for you well, did it do what it was supposed to do for you no um no I'm, I'm both um but i am thankful that it happened okay. now in hindsight um so i was definitely going into that let me back up before we recorded these brothers um, I felt like we had been on a journey together therapeutically in a group setting. So I, I hosted a group for black men for three or four months, and they were a part of that group when it had terminated and I had brought them in. So, and there were some things. And when I started this group, I had said, hey, you know, we all know each other at some form in an individual level. So there's still that boundary. There's still this um, ethic 
ethics, if, you know, form of ethics that I have to follow. However, you're going to get a little bit more from me because this is a support group, not a treatment group, right? So if you're still seeing me as a therapist, the rules apply. This is confidential. However, what we talk about in this group setting, we can't take into a one-on-one session because there are some things I will disclose to give examples to provide support of, hey, me as a black man, this is what I've gone through and this is how I've saw myself in the world when it happened and this is what I did to help me heal from that or overcome or whatever that verbiage would be. So now when I go back into a therapeutic session, I am not a black mental health therapist. I am a mental health expert, right? Whether we're black, whether we're men, whatever, whatever it is, my clinical expertise trumps it all in that moment. So that way I can make sure you are healed. I'm treating your disorder, your diagnoses, and you no longer have to see me again. So we went through that process in the therapeutic session. So I specifically put uh, selected these individuals to participate because some of the things I had shared, they were already privy to. Um, they've saw, seen me cry. Mm-hmm. Very few people have. I don't even think members of our family have seen me cry. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so they have uh, seen behind the curtain, mm-hmm. right? So in my mind, I was very much coming to an environment where um, I was going to be validated. And it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And that was okay because it helped me realize that I need to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really clicked that some of the things that I am pushing for and some of the uh, work that I am doing is very much for the collective, but it's so, so much about me. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, (laughs) and everyone thought, and I think this might become a later that that question and at the end was a trick question, you know, why am I doing this? Or I can't remember how it was phrased, but someone asked me or said that I was doing something well. And I was like, quite literally, I'm just no, no fog, no smoke and mirrors. I'm really trying to save myself. And that helped me save myself. Right. Because in this room where I have been vulnerable with these people and have expected that these people understand my vulnerability because they've seen it in its raw form they could still challenge that and not keep me safe, right? Emotionally, not physically, mm-hmm. right? But emotionally safe. Right. And then it it solidified the fact that it does not matter, right, for me. And at this point, I'm no longer a victim. I'm no longer the plight of black, whatever, whatever. I am very much an advocate. I am very much a warrior. I am very much the guy that walks down the street. And if you don't acknowledge my existence, a Mack truck is coming your way. <laughs> like I am not moving. Because in my mind, you know, I matter. My presence, my being here is purposeful. And that doesn't need to be validated by anyone. Um, And I think it clicked in that moment, but then it solidified after having conversations with friends and family and then some other tertiary things that happened with that individual um, after, right? So, no, I didn't get the support I needed, but I am so thankful that I did it because I don't think you would be here and I enjoy you being here. I don't think I would be here. I don't think some of the concepts that I have challenged and some of the people that I've brought on since would be quite the same if um, I had been validated. Because now I'm like leaning so far into fearlessness that it really doesn't matter if everybody sees it my way. Whoever does, does. Whoever doesn't, I'm the Mack truck and move out the way, <laughs> right? So I hope that answered your question. That makes me feel better that you got what you needed. Yeah, I got what I needed. You got what I you needed. It wasn't it, what that, I was expecting. Exactly. 
but I, I in my mind I'm always gonna get what's needed. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm I, I feel I feel better about that. Now moving on to the experience that we shared in Sanford, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um that that definitely affected you more because a lot more happened to you physically. Mine's my experience was emotional because I just remember even before then and after, like I always saw myself, I gotta protect him. I gotta protect him. When you know, I don't know if you remember Kingsley. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt like he was a bully to you. I feel like he kept making, trying to make you feel like, oh, you, oh, you think you this, oh, you think you smart, and you think you that. And I'm like, he is, that's my brother. And, and I never understood why people like to, or I don't know if they like to, but it always happens. I remember this young boy on the bus uh, with his sisters. Um, we went to some middle school and we all rode the bus together. And we, I literally, this this boy kept picking on you, picking on you. Every time he would pass you, he would slap your head or, and you'd get off the bus. And the last day of school, I made a point to, I'm gonna physically hurt this person because it's time it's time this has gone on too far too long and you were just you were just so you were humble you were you were to yourself and there was no reason for him not that I know of for any reason for him to um deal with you the way that he was dealing with you so I felt like I had to step in there's many times in my life I feel like I had to step in to protect you whether it be verbally whether it be physically but in Sanford, Florida, we were riding our bikes and we were coming across the corner or coming to the corner where our house was, or the house that we were living in were, was down. We only, we had like two minutes away. We were almost there. And our sister, Felicia, she held, she hung, hung back. I don't know if she saw what was coming the dog coming before we saw it, but you were in front. I was in the middle. Felicia was in the back. And she, I at this point, I just turned around and I saw her, I saw her turn her bike around to go back the other way. I look forward and now I see this dog, massive dog ch- charging at you. And I'm like, oh no, Philip. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm thinking it's, I'm speaking to this dog like he could actually understand what I'm saying. And I'm like, no, no. I get off my bike. I see this dog hacking at you. You're trying to use the bike to protect you. I, now I'm starting to see blood. I'm starting to see your knees. I'm hearing you cry. I'm hearing you scream. Nobody's coming to, at this point, nobody's coming to the rescue. So I go, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of this dog, but I I get past my fear and I'm like, I have to save him. I have to protect him. And I go and I try and I get the bike from your, I felt like your foot was, your ankle was entangled in the bike after you fell. 
your foot kind of got entangled in the bike and you couldn't, I had to try to first, while being distracted by this dog, trying not to get bit myself, being terribly afraid of this dog, I'm trying to help you get your foot out so we can leave, so we can escape. And I finally get you out. You couldn't walk all the way. And you had to put your arm around me so we can go. Like, it almost reminds me of two soldiers in the battlefield, one's injured. And we're, come on, put your arms around me. Let's walk. Let's walk. Let's get home. We got to get home. And well, as you were as you were telling your story, as you were telling your story, I don't, re- I personally don't remember you, um, the lady speaking to you because I feel like I was so caught up in my emotions, my fear, my need to protect you. We got to get home. Mom, we need to get to mom. It's It's amazing how the mind works. And fast forward to getting you up and I have you on my shoulder and I'm trying to, I'm getting frustrated because by that time, like you caught, you caught up to me, like as far as weight and height, like at that time. So I was just struggling with trying to get you. And I don't know where the dog went at this point, but I saw that I was able to, we we were coming around the corner and mom and with, with my recollection, mom is meeting before we get to the house. She's walking up the street like, what happened? What happened? And I was like, there was a dog. There was a dog. Philip, it bit Philip. It bit Philip. And she grabs you from me. And I'm thinking that we're going to go back to the house. And mom about to, mom about to put hands on the, whoever's dog this is because this dog has harmed my son. This dog has harmed my brother who where who where y'all at and we were going to the house they were cutting in my head in my mind I'm like why are we okay okay maybe maybe we need to get Philip we need to take care of Philip okay I need it we need to take care of Philip we need to bandage him up we need to clean his wounds we need to make sure that he we don't have to take him to the hospital okay I get it and we never let we didn't leave the house after you we got you together we didn't go back Now you tell us, your recollection is of what you had an actual conversation with the owners of the dog, which really was sad to me, what they said, because it was like, that's the explanation that you're giving, is that your children train, oh, I'm sorry, your our children train dogs, our dogs to chase Black people. And I was like, they said that? That's that's messed up. The fact that they acknowledged it and that the way you said it was, they said it so nonchalantly, like, sorry, you were in the crossfire. That's just what happens. That's what they do. It wasn't, it didn't seem like there was any, they weren't going to talk to their kids about it. There wasn't going to be any resolve. It was just like, this is what it is. Um, sorry, you had to be the one to experience that, but, and I don't even think it was a sorry, like, we apologize. Oh, we see that you're hurt. We see, oh, it was, what, hey, 
what what can I say at this point? When when mom came, did did was she a relief? Did were you did you feel relief that she was coming because something was gonna happen? She was gonna do were you expecting her to do something? Were expecting her to save you? Were you expecting her to make things right as your mother who showed up when you saw her? What were you expecting to happen at that point? I don't remember the rest of the day. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure what happened after we went in the house. I'm not sure. I would imagine because I know our mother, it was would be something like clean up the wound and go to bed. You know, or sleep it off, or hear some food. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, that's how our culture is. Uh, something's wrong. You, you, here's a plate. You know, um, to feed you. So I don't know specifically what happened if Mom had a conversation with me after, or um, I don't know. I do know that nothing happened, mm-hmm. um, and I do know that for a while I had carried a lot of things that I experienced or went through as something that meant something about me. So something is happening to me. So it means it has something to do with me. Mm. Right. I am black. So this is as a, a ripple effect of being a black man. I am dumb. So this is the ripple effect of being stupid. I am not masculine enough. I am not this enough. I am not accomplished enough. So all of these things that I'm experiencing meant something negative about me, right? I carried that for a very long time. Then I had to realize that some of the things that I go through, some of the things that happen to me, happen to me. I feel them, but they have nothing to do with me. That white person's experience and their understanding of their safety has nothing to do with me as a black person. Everything to do with them. Yes, I was hurt from it emotionally and physically, mm-hmm. but it didn't mean that I was a risk. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I'm a danger. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I am what they think. It means that they have a problem. And that's about them. It's not about me. So when it came to our mother, I didn't learn that for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I figured that the things that happened or did not happen had something to do with me whether someone shows up for me the the way that I expect them to or whether they don't. It means they love me or they don't. When it really could mean it just has nothing to do with me. It's just their experience. What allows them to show up the way they can or what does not allow them to show up. What I know for sure is that, and what I talk to people about, is a lot of times we forget the physical pain and emotional pain have just a deleterious effect on a person, right? So you didn't experience what I experienced physically, but we still have both bated breath when we talk about this experience. We still ha- have some of the emotion that comes up when we tell the story or when we talk about it. And I know when we talk to, when I talk to our mother about it, she can't even process it. And I know that she gets very anxious and um, either it's I forgot or she laughs it off or she moves on and does not answer a question. So I can't imagine what it is like to be a black woman in the South, 
and someone comes to harm your child and you really feel powerless about it because you know that in this area, me doing something might mean more harm to my body or my child's body. And at this point, I have to decide whether what I can do to give my child comfort or risk the seriousness of the situation. Like we were in a city where people are training their dogs to maul black seven-year-olds. What would a black, a single black mother do in that situation? One who also, and God forgive me if my mom isn't, uh, ready to hear it because our mother listens to this podcast. Um, so I, I love you, mom. But one who has had an experience with police. I'm not sure if you, she's talked to you about this or, or whatever, but there was a time my mother called the police at, for help and some things happened to her that she was not expecting. So to have that experience and to raise children um, in an environment where everyone in the city, where some people, not everyone, some people see them as threats, just as seven-year-olds running, walking, or going down the street on a bike. What do you do other than keep your kids in the house mm-hmm. and feed your kids and put them to bed and mend their wounds? And for me, as a seven-year-old processing it, it meant something about me. It meant my mom didn't love me. Mm-hmm. It meant she couldn't protect me meant no one in the world wanted to cared about what Philip was doing. And it had nothing to do with me and everything to do with her experience as a black woman and how she could or could not protect her children. And for a long time, I kind of resented a lot. I kind of acted out. I kind of did all of these things. And I like always say to my clients, like when we're talking about parents, even though I went through so much and this is going to sound crass, there is no one on this earth who could have raised this bastard as a, as a child. Like, no one. <laughs> My mom was specifically designed and created, and I understand why she's clinging on her kids so much, because God literally created her to make sure this person navigated this world okay. Because I can't imagine what another person would have done in that situation. Um, yes, maybe going and starting a fight or, or doing some things, but we would probably end up in CPS right. or in the system if 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 at all we were alive after mm-hmm. because they were bold enough to say that for a reason. Right. They probably were caring. Right. And then what would happen if some black people came to your house, mm-hmm. black folks that you're supposed to be protecting yourself from? Right. So even though it was painful for all of us and still probably very painful for our mother, I think she did the right thing um, in that experience up until that that day that I stated it on the first just being episode. It all made this Mack truck that's coming down the road. And I love this Mack truck that comes down the road. <laughs> you know, so so I know that's a cliche of saying it or what everything happens for a reason or whatever it might be. But after I removed the concept of people not saving me or not coming for me or not showing up the way I needed them to and that it had nothing to do with me mm-hmm. and started to look at it through a different lens that is it the economic status is it sex is it race is it their trauma right or their need for feeling love that allowed them not to love me in a certain way it all it all has nothing to do with me I experienced something 
but it doesn't mean it's about me and it doesn't mean that it is who I am, that I'm this thing that's unlovable or who shouldn't be protected. It just means the experience happened and I get to choose how I respond to it. Well, that's a very grown-up way to process <laughs> process that that I'm not there yet. I I admire you for getting there. I don't know how you got there to the point where, oh, ain't got nothing to do with me. It's actually them. And I've had people say in different times of my life, I've had people say that to me. Mm-hmm. That it's not about that. You're getting emotional. You're getting you're getting um uh hyped up, you're getting lit, and it's not even about you. I'm like, of course it's about me. It's me, it's about me. Like they think that they could have said it this way, but they did, and so it's about me. And um I would have to I would have to believe that 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 relieves so much pressure if you if someone can start thinking like that. Like I know I, like you said, I know I experienced what I experienced. I know I felt what I felt. But that still does not have anything to do with me. But it's here's the hard part for me to understand is that we still got to deal with our experience, even though it ain't about, it ain't about, no, I know this ain't about you. I know that's how you process that. But your how you process that affected, affected me. Mm-hmm. And now I have to. Now I have to deal. Now I have to process. Now I have to heal. Because if I I didn't have to heal from that, if you didn't inflict your insecurities, your not knowing what to do, uh, your decisions, that's something else for me to process now. Mm -hmm. That's something else for me to heal now. But so. um, But if I can't, this this is how I, I process it. So everything you just said, someone's insecurity someone's lack of response, someone's, uh, uh, I can't remember what the third thing was, but in my head, as you were saying that, that's all pain too. So someone is responding to pain and now you are going to start responding to pain because of the pain you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And it creates the cycle of people responding to pain over and over again. And I know for me and my life, and I don't have kids and I don't have, you know, all of these things. Um, but I know for me that if I don't want to create that ripple effect, I have to realize I'm not the primary source of impact. I'm not where the initial droplet came. I'm just a ripple, right? And it's going to keep rippling if I do the same cycle. That insecurity that someone is projecting on me or or allowing, that comes from their pain that they haven't dealt with. Mm -hmm. And now if I turn around and respond to the pain that I am not dealing with, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have just the same ripple effect on somebody else. So in even even in things like race and racism and all of that, that's some shit they need to work out, right? Their insecurity, their lack of security and safety and whatever it is that they've experienced, that's all on them. And it again means nothing to me. In relationships, it pops up a lot too. Someone's responding to someone else's pain and now we're all broken people and in pain. And if we stop and think, you're responding to your trauma. You're responding negatively. Hell yeah, I'm going to set a boundary. I'm going to keep myself emotionally and physically safe Mm -hmm. but you're responding to a trauma you're not responding to me as a person Mm -hmm. you're not saying that i'm a horrible lover or or whatever it is you're just triggered by whatever is in this environment physically or emotionally for you and that has nothing to do with me so that's how i try to to move forward Mm -hmm. and that's how i kind of conceptualize it 
I have to, I guess, for survival because then I am fighting all the time. And I'll tell you that gets exhausting, emotionally and physically. Um, and the end goal is never met when we go, for me, in my experience, the end goal is never met when I'm always fighting. And for me, the end goal is love, right, for myself. And if I know that for, to my core, if I believe or hold a certain belief about myself, no matter what is showing up in my world, it does not matter. I am less triggered because I know that of my worth, right? So someone who comes and physically assaults or emotionally assaults because of what is assumed my worth or whatever they're responding to or whatever pain they're carrying, mm -hmm. if I attach that to, they're doing this to me because I'm not good enough or because I'm too, or whatever it is, mm -hmm. then I am believing that negative belief about myself mm -hmm. because if I didn't, it wouldn't make sense for my mind. Right. That's the way the brain works. We fill in the gap with the information we don't know and what we know for sure we hold on to. Mm -hmm. So if I know for sure that I am brilliant, people fire me from job for people telling me I'm stupid, people doing whatever will not change my brilliance whatsoever. Mm -hmm. However, if there's a belief somewhere that I might not be good enough or I'm not smart enough. Mm -hmm. Getting fired from my GS 15 or whatever position or challenging these spaces because I'm the youngest or 25 year old GS employee in a place that's all black or whatever. And all of these little microaggressions that people give me mm -hmm. will send me into a spiral of depression because I'm believing it because I'm holding on to it. And all of those things that happen in that environment have nothing to do with me, nothing at all, because I'm brilliant. I didn't get to that position at 25 years old for no reason, right? Like, so how would I allow myself to believe and hold on to all of this stuff? Makes sense. So when you talk about processing that and, and knowing that it's not about you, what, determines what determines what's going to be fixed what you're going to change because you did say that it took you about 20 years before you got back on the bike mm -hmm. so that that part and that's just a, that's a normal day-to-day -day care Active. Yeah. everybody enjoy yeah. that pastime that knew how to ride a bike it how why did it take you 20 years to get back were there opportunities okay so I'm pretty sure there were opportunities what happened you looked at a bike and immediately you remembered the situation Ooh, interesting <laughs> um I don't think so but I'm sure subconsciously yes because I never um thought to get on a bike if that makes sense so after that experience riding bikes was no longer a hobby for me and maybe, and that probably, I'm not maybe, that probably, that was the reason why. But it wasn't like a, oh, I see a bike and I'm triggered or I remember that experience or whatnot. It was um, that I just had no interest in bikes anymore. And it, uh, you know, candidly, uh, someone I was dating at the time, I came to D.C. to visit her while she was interning. And her, she was planning a date for me because she, you know, whatever, she wanted to plan the date. And her plan was that we would rent these little bikes all around uh, that the you can put your card. I don't know what they're called. You put your card and you can take the bike. Right. And we would bike all of the monuments. And I had did not tell her what had happened. I didn't. And this is the first time <laughs> that I'm now faced with a bike. And of course, my mind did not allow me to think that I could, should like bikes. Mm -hmm. Then from that day, I never rode a bike. 
So I am sweating my behind off. <laughs> I'm like sweating bullets. Right? <laughs> like before we even get on this bike, you know, thinking what's going to happen. But I mean, you know, that was the process. That was a part of the process too, you know, and to get through that and, and cover up or not be vulnerable with her about what was going on. And I'm sure she could tell that like, what's wrong with this dude? Why is he kind of not, uh, connected I you know planned this whole thing out is in DC he flew in to visit me what, what's going on and I just couldn't enjoy it and um so you did it I did it yeah that was the yeah. sorry that to answer your question okay. that was the thing that got me back on the back okay. um to impress my girlfriend at the time okay. um so yeah I could have went a different way it could have went a completely different way like... I could have reacted yeah but luckily enough this this sister was brilliant right and she knew that a lot of how I was showing up in this relationship was due to my trauma, even though we didn't talk a lot about it. And I don't know if she subconsciously knew or like she had spoken to her elders and her family, whatever. But when I started acting up, she ghosted me like nobody's business, right? This ain't it. <laughs> and you know me, with my trauma response, I need to be connected. I need attention. I need all of these things, right? So it was correcting my behavior and I knew that if I'm not challenging myself to be better mm -hmm. I could potentially lose this person I love mm -hmm. right so that forced me to overcome this thing and to start facing the things that I that I know were showing up problematically in a relationship because I definitely could have just been an asshole and yeah. I'm like this is stupid you know well, data yeah. why would you do this yeah. or and, and made it all about well, something her yeah, and she could have internalized that. that as something else when it had nothing to do with her, it's me not processing my trauma, right? And that's how these things show up, so. Yes. But something I forgot, and I don't know if it's important, but uh, uh, you mentioned that, like, kids used to uh, pick on me and all of this. For everybody that doesn't know, I was small for a long time when I was a kid. Um, and then all of a sudden, I don't know what, like, 13 or 14, I was 6'1". <laughs> like overnight I don't know how um, <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and I s try to stay away from 300 pounds to save my life like <laughs> so I'm six one um, <laughs> up there in the scale I'm not gonna say but I fight to make sure that I don't get huge so anyway so I, when I was a kid I was very small and um, so me being the kid who always tried to make people laugh or was always giving or always kind or all of these things um, you, you mentioned that a lot of people would take advantage of the hit me in the head. Uh, you people will just always find their way to beat me up. And just the other day, I was thinking, I was not thinking, I was laughing because I was listening to a song. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just put in music and just allow myself to just emote, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm laughing down the street and like just having a good time with myself, mm -hmm. walking to the office. And I'm starting to notice that everyone around me is getting very uncomfortable with me smiling as I walk down the street, mm -hmm. like, and me just being in my own world and being truly happy. And it made me think of that time, interestingly enough, not just the bus incident, because I remember the last day of school and all Ooh. that, but all of the times where I was showing up happy and healthy and authentically and just free, mm -hmm. someone always had a problem with that, even black people. Right, even other, because we, I think that we are so accustomed to, or we have this belief about what black joy is supposed to look like, mm -hmm. that when it is not in the box we put it in, we have to disrupt it. Mm -hmm. So I think for all of those kids and for other people who, for growing up for me, um, 
they saw something that was unfamiliar and they just did whatever they knew how to let me know that what I was doing was unfamiliar and that I needed to go back in the box. I can't be a young kid who's humble and holds doors open for random people and picks up bags and laughs and wants to make people laugh or is uh, not into a whole lot of sports but loves to cook and do all of these things. Um, so to that point of why you thought like you couldn't understand why you, what you always had to protect me, I think that's it. Because very much at home, me cooking breakfast for all my sisters, y'all would wake up on a Sunday morning and be like, where's the banana fritters? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it wasn't a huge thing. Mm -hmm. um, but for the world, me doing these things or playing tea house or, or whatever, because I grew up in the house of women or cleaning mm -hmm. or, or learning how to sew. Like, mm -hmm. it, I went to college and realized that when our twin sister, my twin sister called me and asked how does she boil an egg, right? Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I'm like, it, I'm, and I'm seeing all the other students, and I'm like, oh, this dynamic is different. I can cook, I can sew, I, I take care of people, I do all of these things, and, and because I was raised by a mighty strong woman, right? And that concept is so foreign for the rest of the, for some people in the world, not the rest of the world, that they emote, that they sometimes uh, push their emotional capacity or lack of capacity or physical one onto a person because it just doesn't make sense in their mind. And I think that's why for a long time growing up, um, I had to be protected or I, I needed to be. And then obviously you remember after I went through my growth spurt at whatever age, I mean shaving and, and all of this thing at like 12 or 13 years, I was a grown man for some reason. It was all, it was all said and done after that. They couldn't keep me in school. <laughs> like I was expelled from everywhere because at that point, you're gonna get what you're gonna get when you come at me a certain way. And that obviously manifested to be something quite problematic growing up. And thank God I stayed out of jail again because of our mother, right? <laughs> Did what she needed to do to make sure that what had happened to me when I was a kid, I'm not still letting allow or impact how I'm responding growing up. Because being as big as I was in the seventh or sixth grade, it was a problem. I was bigger than all the teachers. I was bigger. So if you looked at me wrong, you was going to get it. But that's all I remembered. That's all I knew because all the times I sat in the back of the bus or smiled or told a girl that she had a nice dress or was trying to be polite, that was problematic for everyone. Um, so yeah, I just remember that when you're saying that. I don't know if that helped to further clarify that question for you on protecting me. And I I don't know if I ever said to you, I do appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, who else would have? I survived childhood, like in my mind. And as beautiful as our childhood was in some some aspects, I survived our childhood. Like we went through some shit. I went through some. You all went through some shit. And um, together, separate, separate shit. <laughs> like so, I don't know if I would have been the kid to, or maybe I didn't have to, but I don't know because you were there. I don't know if I would have been the kid who have had the wherewithal to say something about it because it had been happening so frequently, mm -hmm. I literally thought that this was what I was, this was life, this is what I'm supposed to experience because I had nothing, never experienced anything else, right? Mm -hmm. So if someone hadn't been there to say, don't fuck with my brother, mm -hmm. I don't know if I would have ever got the concept that this ain't something that, that's supposed to be happening um, or if I would have told mom or, or anybody else, other adult around or whatever it is because even the adults, and for those of you who heard earlier Kingsley <laughs> he was an adult he was a grown man yeah. and I was nine or ten years old like 
you know, and I couldn't be too smart. I couldn't be all of these things. Um, so like even the adults were showing me that the way I wanted to show up in the world was not okay. So I internalized it as not being okay. And if you hadn't stand in the, in the, in the, stand in the difference or stand in the gap, I probably would still would believe that. I don't know. Or something else would have had to show me, I guess. But, um, yeah, it was necessary for me. And this was necessary for, I couldn't, I couldn't take it. I just, I, like you, like, and I'm, I, I think I've always said that, girl, you, you are angry. It's like, you are angry. I don't want to, I've, I've, I've prayed. I'm like, I don't want to be angry anymore. Like, show me where it started so I can, so we can fix it. So I don't have to continue in anger because I can be, I, I'm five, like, I always bring it to my attention that, girl, you are five, two. You cannot whoop everybody in this earth. You ain't, you cannot do this. And I don't remember, I don't remember ever getting beat up. <laughs> I don't remember going, I, I'm surprised I ain't been to jail. I'm surprised that someone hasn't killed me yet. And there, there's been multiple opportunities, even outside where we, We've did, we've grown apart. We've lived our lives. We've gone to college. There's things that I experienced um, where I just walked in this earth like I'm big, I'm bad. I don't care what you see. Like if you want to test this gangster, you can do that. Be careful. Don't don't play with yourself. But I never experienced like I've never experienced getting. The lesson, because mom has always said, you don't come across the right one. You don't, whoever it is, is going to, whoever it is going to show you that you ain't as big as as bad as you think you are. And it's crazy how I, I, it's crazy how I actually, I love you so much. I've loved you so much from the beginning, but there were, there were times in the middle that we actually fought and you were not Mm -hmm. hardcore fighting. Like you were not my brother. I remember those times where blood was shed and why, how that dynamic changed. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Maybe it was a time where you got into that match, not even match, like you, where you got into that, well, I'm six one or I'm this and that. There's things that I triggered for you that caused you to react in a certain way that rec- that made me react like, oh, I actually got to fight him. Like, this ain't no like brotherly. I don't think he's seeing me as a sister right now. So now I got to change my vision and like, I got to save my life. So I, a part of me is like, and we, we were, we were able to come back from that to here, to have two kids that you love dearly, that you have access to, that, my 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 daughter Brooklyn feels every bit of the love that you were given to her, and that could been it. That could have been interrupted with my emotion, with the fights that we had. I could have been like, "I'm never talking to you again because you hurt me. You you we fought like you fought me like I'm not your sister." And but I'm really really happy that we were able to come back from that. I don't know exactly when those times happened um but I'm glad that we were able to come back from that I'm glad that I still feel that I need to protect you I feel, I, I'm glad that I'm able to um 
to love you still because I feel like my whole life, I don't know, I didn't know how to love. I don't know how to love. My, my love was fixing things, I think. It was if I see something wrong, fix it. If I, if I see someone saying something crazy, fix it. Whether it came to teachers, police officers. Again, I don't know why I'm not in jail. Mm-hmm. Because I've challenged a lot of people that I wasn't, I feel like I shouldn't have challenged. They had so much power than me. They could have made things happen in an instant that would have altered my life forever. <clears throat> and I'm written, I'm rambling. Um, at the end of the day, <laughs> I am, I'm happy that you are who you are. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy that you came out of that show. You came, oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. That show that made you, you were humble. I'm glad you still have that because you, you're still humble. You st- I feel like you still don't recognize sometimes the greatness in you. Um, you t- Still, I feel like sometimes you still don't recognize that that there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> like to me, to me, like sometimes you know, oh, I gotta lose weight. I'm looking at you like you got muscles. You're tall. Like what is you? What are you talking about? I don't see. I don't see those things. All I see is my brother who has gone through so much. Who have, we have experienced life together on so many different levels. I've learned so much from you. And I'm just completely happy and satisfied with our experience, even though some have been very hurtful. I'm, I wouldn't be me. (laughs) I wouldn't be me. Um, I wouldn't be the mother that I am because I, I, I knew and I felt how to protect at an early age, very, very early. And I'm passing that protection on to my children. They feel that protection. And I'm glad that I'm able to do that. Glad you are too. And I know that wasn't a question, but I have an answer. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and I hate to be the dead horse, but us fighting as kids, as we're children, I think the reason why we're here now is because we both realize, even though you say you you don't get the concept, but you're practicing it presently, we both realize that us responding to the trauma that happened to us and fighting when we were 10, 11, 12, 13, whatever years old, had nothing to do with my belief and my love for you. And then yours had nothing to do with your belief and your love for me. We were just responding to what we were experiencing and it had nothing to do with the other person. It literally had everything to do with what we're experiencing, the life we were living, how we showed up in the world, and how the world told us we should or should not. And we were responding to all of that trauma and to all of those things, and we lashed out at each other. But it had, and we experienced it, and we felt it physically, we felt it emotionally, but it still had nothing to do with the love I have for you. And I think that's just why we're here. Amazing. <laughs> you're so smart. Mm. You're brilliant, actually. Smart is brilliant. I continue to learn, <laughs> and I know I need to always continuously push myself to learn. Are those all your questions? I believe so. I think the sister got her answer. <laughs> See, that wasn't so bad, was it? 
Oh, I thought I thought we were gonna talk about some way out there stuff. <laughs> so no, that was that was that was light. That was surface. That was good. That was just a taste. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely, thank you for having me. You're listening to the after session, but we're not done yet. Make sure you look out for part two. Be good to yourself.